I understand that Marianne did a fine job last Sunday preaching from Ephesians. I'm really grateful that I, I was able to be away and she covered and did a superb job and as did uh, Renee and... Uh, oh, you weren't? Okay. And uh, I, know, I know that uh, Conrad did a terrific job too. And uh, I'm thankful for Eve. She was supportive as well. Now, I did want to speak about the Trinity, and I'm calling upon all of you to give me your best imagination this morning, because we're going we're gonna to be considering things that are deep and profound. You know, the Old Testament prophets tell us that God created all people for a unique and loving relationship with him. And even though humanity turned away from God to taste the bitter fruit of the knowledge of evil, God's love has pursued them relentlessly. Around 4,000 years ago, see if you can put that number in your head, 1,500 years before most of the world's religions originated, God chose Abraham and Sarah to create a special nation to preserve his promises and foretell that God was coming as the Messiah for all nations. God's love has always extended to all the nations. In contrast, most deities are local or for a few special people. Yahweh told Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Over 500 times in the Old Testament, God speaks of the nations. Yahweh has always acted out of love for all people of all nations. Jesus tells us about the relationship between the persons of the Godhead in John chapter 17, verse 24. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the foundation of the world began. Do you, do you get that? Put your mind around that for a minute. Father, before the foundations of the world, what were you doing anyway? Loving my son. I couldn't get enough of him. About 1,500 years before Jesus was born, God appeared to Moses in the form of a brilliant light. A, a, try to picture that just for a minute in your imagination. You're standing in a little butte, maybe of some kind, and all of a sudden a being, a mystical being of light appears to you and starts talking to you. What are you going to do? <laughs> and, and, and a voice spoke to Moses from the flaming light to tell him to go and rescue the Jewish people from Egyptian slavery. When Moses led them out, God told them, 
what matters most to him. It became the central tenet of the Jewish faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. I don't know if you've gotten your head around this. Love matters most to God because he is love at the core of his being. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God's love is in a remarkable visual. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. After being in God's glorious light for 40 days, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. His face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. God is light and love. God is also just, but his justice is his loving response to evil when it hurts the people he loves. God is love. It's what the prophets revealed. Just think, love is foundational to the essential nature of God, and everything in the created universe exists because of perfect love, including us. A leadership coach named Michael Warden explains, like an eagle is made to soar in the heights, we were made for God's love. Love is our native atmosphere, yet in the fallen world, we have separated from love. What we experience as normal life is anything but normal. We are eagles chained to the earth, longing to soar. God must be our first love because only then can he teach us how to love others as he loves us. God tells Moses and the Israelites 20 (laughs) separate times that loving God must be our top priority. Then he can lead them to truly love others. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, Leviticus 19:18. The first four of the Ten Commandments are about loving God. God wants this to be our first priority, and he's jealous for our love, not for our sake, but for ours. All other things we put first in our lives make bad gods that will let us down. We were made for God's love first. His love rightly orders all other loves. Augustine is quoted as saying, love is the beauty of the soul. Before there was anything, God the Father had already been delighting in his son for eternity. You want to know what God was doing before he made any matter? He was hanging out with Jesus. They were spending all their time together. He was delighting in his son. This is the love that fires the son. And what is happening in creation is, as the father is so delighted by the son, he delights to have his love overflow, that there may might be many sons. 
that the son might be the firstborn of many brothers. And this, in fact, is the only way that the father could repair the human race. Paul tells us, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. The only way to fix us is to make us like Jesus. You can't do it any other way with human beings. They're nefarious, and they're prone to all kinds of dastardly behavior. And so with this God who is fundamentally gracious, it's who he is in eternity, eternally loving. It makes sense that he should have many others that he might love. If he's love, he needs a lot of people to love. And he's been loving his son for eternity and the spirit for eternity. Why was God, why, why did he even bother creating? Think about the mess he had to deal with. After all the trouble human beings are capable of creating, why would he create? Because the Father has always enjoyed loving the Son. Creation seems to be a characteristic thing for him to do because the fundamental nature of love is giving. All of creation flows from God's abundant Trinitarian delight. Now, what happens in your mind and in your heart when you behold the beauty of creation? Mike, or could someone put that cloud up there for me? I really felt God's love when I saw this sight. I, I walked out on the balcony of, of our tiny little room where Gary was sleeping above me on a bunk above Gail and I, it was, it was kind of weird. And uh, I walked out on, the, on the, the little deck there. That's the, I, I said, why in the world was he doing that for me? I felt like he was doing it for me. What happens in your mind and your heart when you behold the beauty of creation? When you see the beauty of creation, Mountains, oceans, we, we, we were on the ocean and we saw remarkable sights. What goes on in your mind? Consider God's magnificent beauty as typified in Revelation chapter 4. Now, I've, I've often thought that the book of Revelation, you, you shouldn't be allowed to read it. You should be forced to imagine it, because it's so vivid. Do you know what carnelian is? Does anybody know? It's kind of like a brown, kind of goldish. Yeah. It is. Where do you think the center of the universe is located? Can you make a case for the throne of heaven? The throne room has got to be the center of the universe. That's where he governs all things from. It also reminds me uh, that Jesus is the light of the world. 
and I see the purity, the beauty, and the glory of God proclaimed in the heavens as the sun, like a bridegroom, shines and drives out all darkness, so that every day I find, just as I see the sun rising, I went out several days. We had some bad overcast weather, too, but there were a couple days when the sunrise was, I, I wanted to bow down on my knees and begin worshiping the Lord. I said, are you doing this for me? This feels like you're giving me a picture to take with my little camera That's I'm going to be able to share this with others. At a certain point, in when we begin to understand what God is like, we say that we love, that what we love is more important than what we do. Essential in the Christian life, the affections are central. The emphasis is also reflected in your title, Delighting in the Trinity. And clearly by writing this, this book, I want to fill your minds with good theology about God. But you want to see heart, your hearts filled with affection for God. The reason that I act sinfully is because I have begun to desire something more than God. The affections are so essential to who you are. So the core of both sin and salvation. Why is it that Eve takes the apple? I mean, did she have any idea what she was about to plummet the world into? She wants to be like God more than she wants to trust God. She has a love for something else rather than a love for God. I want to just uh, read a little bit of Revelation for you. I, I just want you, I want to take a little time to have us use our imaginations for what, if there's any book in the Bible that, now remember, John is seeing these things. And after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. All right, so he's about to cross over this door. It's chapter four. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet. I mean, what's that sound like? Something cool like that. I mean, you know. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who, he, who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. So there's those gems. What do you imagine that looked like? Can you picture that? Can't even do it, can you? Around the throne there were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in, they, they must like white as a getup. Why do you think people in heaven typically wear white? But don't you want to wear your jeans? I want to wear my jeans when, I, when I'm in the throne room. I'm, Maybe I'll have to wear white jeans. 
<laughs> yes. <coughs> All right, so I want to take you to one uh, more place in Revelation. It's a, it's a, it's a mind-blower. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Try to imagine that in your mind right now. Okay, so bright as crystal. Okay, so it's, it's, it's not flowing. It's, it's, it's shiny. Apparently heaven's got a lot of shininess into it. Bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Try to imagine that. And on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. So apparently these things pop out new fruit every month. And I, I, I suspect you're going to want to eat that stuff. It's, it's probably good for you. No, I think you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's how it works up there. He, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life. I want some of that water. I'd like some right now. Can you imagine yourself wading into the river of life? Now, you know, I, I, I promised I wasn't going to talk about this, but I've been reading this remarkable book called Imagine Heaven which is uh, an, an effort by a scripture scholar to compare the experience of near-death experience to what's in the scriptures. And believe it or not, people have reported swimming in the river of life. <laughs> and you know what they, one of the things they said? They said, you can go under the water and communicate. And when you come up out of the water, you're dry. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but somebody had that experience. And it depends on whether or not you want to pay any attention to it or not. It's been being researched for decades. So there's, I, th I suspect there's something to it. And now someone who is trying to compare the experience that people talk about their, they've had when they've stepped out of their body. They're, they're lining it up with scripture and they're, 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 there's a remarkable consistency to these things. <laughs>